running a business is a tough and lonely journey. Welcome to the Executives on the Frontlines podcast, where business owners and C-suite executives like you will get real answers to your everyday business problems. I'm your host, Jeff Palaccio, and together we will learn from senior leaders who have occupied every top box of a company's org chart for every size organization and who like to roll up their sleeves while checking their egos at the door. Welcome to the Executives on the Frontlines podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Palaccio. Today's business challenge we're going to tackle is why most startups are too disorganized to achieve their growth goals. Our guest is Exec HQ Principal Baron Lucas. Baron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Uh, let me guess. You just moved and you haven't had time to hang up any pictures, right? That is a hundred percent. That's a bare wall right there. <laughs> yes, I it, yes, I, I did. I did. I have noticed that on my recent podcast. Uh, thank you for pointing that out. I'm I'm going to recommend. There's another uh, uh, tip for business owners and uh, employees of the business. Don't move <laughs> ever. Don't move. <laughs> so. <laughs> I I literally thought so. I should I put something back there for this, but it's all good. Thank you for pointing. Good. By the way, if you want some of my I love me stuff for your yeah, office, like you I, it. I yeah, got, it's I like we're the, it's so good the contrast. Like I have nothing, you know, <laughs> uh, and you have you know your Marine uh, Battalion uh, flag. It looks like and a lot of things, uh, pictures, and yeah, I'm uh, in like solitary confinement, and you're in the <laughs> penthouse of the. Uh, Ritz Carlton. So there you go. That's it. There you go. <laughs> Baron, I love your experience and uh, and what you've done in your career outside of the 28 years as a, uh, in the Marine Corps. So thank you for your service. But what in your experience are the symptoms of a small to mid-sized company that it can't achieve their uh, business goals? Yeah, this is one of those, um, there are a couple of categories, I think. There is the the no kidding startup where an entrepreneur takes the world in his two hands and he builds a business from scratch and he's working or she is working in that business the entire time, 24 seven. And they can't get out of the day-to-day struggle just to make ends meet and make payroll and all that. And they, they never remove themselves and elevate themselves up and take a look at the business from above and start working on the business. That's one. Two is the entrepreneur that's been a serial entrepreneur that does the same thing in each company. And again, is so busy focused in working in the business, saving money that he doesn't take the resources, which is normally financial, nor does he or she take the time to once again, elevate themselves above that fray and look at their business from above and figure out what's really going on. Then the third thing is the, what I call the the average small family or one owner business. It becomes a lifestyle business. Same, same symptom. They're in heads down in the business and never get out and never do things like uh, actually have a plan on paper. Uh, know how to plan to begin with. You know, the only thing that makes a strategic plan worth it is the creation of that plan, the work that goes into making the plan. That that never happens. I can tell you on one or two fingers 
of the, I don't know, 30, 50 or so clients that I've had consulting over the years that have had a plan on paper that made any sense. So it isn't done. Right? They're, they're too busy down in the weeds and don't get up. And I think that is, that is without a doubt the biggest issue, but it's only one issue of double. Yeah, I think in my experience, I think it's just and whether you're in a big company or a startup and it's your own company, I think the challenge is you always want to do, 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 and you're so buried in the doing, you make money with your mind, but you don't spend you know, you don't spend the time thinking about what can grow my business, what can I do to achieve my goals. So I think that's that's Absolutely. part of the challenge. Absolutely. And I think just, just a, a, you know, kind of a, the, the wisdom over the years, right? As at the senior level of leadership, and I don't care if you're a commander in the military or you're an owner of a company, at that pinnacle of leadership, you have two primary duties that roles and responsibilities that, that you need to take on yourself. And the first one is create a clear vision for what you want your organization to do in the future. Where do you want this thing to go? And it's got to be clear. It's got to be concise. And bring a, put a point out there in the future that makes sense. I like five years, a five-year vision of where I want my organization to go. Then make sure that it makes sense and there needs to be some resource allocation. There needs to be a plan behind it, but the vision needs to be communicated to everybody. Everybody in the, in the business needs to know where we're going. Now, I don't care if it's the COO or the kid in the warehouse doing inventory. If everybody in the organization doesn't know what the vision is, where we're going, and doesn't know what their role is, then they won't be incentivized. They won't be motivated to, to be part of the team. That's number one. Number two is create, nourish, develop a culture that fits that vision. And that starts with having core values that you as the owner can live with, that are you. Because if the owner, the leader does not personify the core values, they're not worth putting on paper. From that, you create a culture that drives the vision forward, that you clearly understand how you want to be portrayed in the market space. Right? And from that, you hire the right people. So the vision is there. We know where we want to go. We need to develop a plan to figure out how to get there, but we know where we want to go. And we have a culture that drives everything we do. It drives our hiring. It drives our firing. We put the right people in the right seats. And that means the right people are those that follow your culture, your core values, Right seat, meaning that they are, that their job is what they do. And a, a perfect example is you, you got a, a guy or gal in, in the in a company that just doesn't feel right. And then you find out that their ethics are not quite up, up to snuff. Uh, and they have done some things that are not quite right. Not the right person. That's toxic. Get rid of them. On the other side, that person may be right in your culture. And you want a salesperson, a people person to do detailed project management, wrong seat. Right? They're not, that's not their deal. Get them, get them to do sales. 
Right. So that's where it starts. In 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 if you're a leader and you're up at night, spend some time. It's Friday today, as we're recording this, this afternoon, grab a whiskey and sit down or whatever you want to drink and go, okay, how do I do that? Where do I want to go in five years? And how do I set a culture that that I can live with? Let's see what happens, Jeff. And you've seen this. Core values all over the board. They're everywhere. They're plastered on, on, on the wall in the break room. And the leader or leaders don't follow their own core values. The culture is toxic. It won't ever work. Yeah, no, so many great things you mentioned there. You know, you know, have a vision. So, you know, Covey's one of his seven habits begin with the end in mind. And right. that's great if you're uh, doing that, but it has to be communicated to everyone and and as well as the core values um, of the organization and what you stand for. And you don't need 15, you need four or five, you know, like three to five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't memorize 15. You're like, oh, oh, what is like, you know, what's seven through 15? You wouldn't, nobody <laughs> would know. I mean, unless they're really Absolutely. good. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Unless they're, unless they're Michael Ross from, uh, <laughs> uh, suits, the TV series suits. But the other thing too, I, you know, an occasional whiskey, uh, you know, there's, you know, all the ancient Greek and Roman philosophers, they all drank wine while they were coming up with their, you know, stoic, you know, whether they were stoic or whatever. So it's, it's always good to, uh, well, it's good to relax a little bit. drink the whole bottle. <laughs> well, you know, old German saying, right? Uh, in whiskey, there's courage in beer, there's strength in wine. There's wisdom in water, just bacteria. So you figure it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Back back to, to, to the concept of how do I get out of this? I'm doing the same thing over and over again, looking for different results. So vision is there. Culture is is going to take shape. Next step is, do you have a planning process that allows you to plan coherently? That allows you to take in effect who you are as a company, what you do, what your mission is, what your vision is for the next five years, why you're doing what you're doing, and start with why. And then once that foundation is formed, then you take a look at what are my strengths, my weaknesses, my threats, my opportunities. Right? How, how do I differentiate myself as a company? What is it that I'm doing that is better than Joe Bernat's next door that's doing the same thing in the business? And then what I see in companies that even if they have a plan, they don't ever catalog and, and, and analyze what they know, what they don't know, what assumptions they have to make to continue planning, what the shortfalls are in terms of resources, right? Money, people, training, uh, supply chain, whatever it is. And they don't ever identify the risks that are associated with whatever they're doing and try to mitigate that. So, you put all that together, and then you start looking at what is my plan to get from, from here to five years? What's my revenue desire? What's my profitability desire? What kind of market space am I into? What are my strategic lines of business that I'm trying to develop? And put a plan to that. And what you get out of that is, is a coherent plan with financial resources and, and financial reporting structures, and then supporting plans like HR, training, operational safety, those kind of things are all interwined in this plan 
And then here's what people do. Even if they do plan, you've seen this. The planning process starts sometime at the end of the third quarter. By one October or so, they've got a plan. There is maybe a budget or some sort of forecast, maybe sort of. And then they put the plan together. Then the holidays happen. Then January the second or third hits. They get back to work. The plan is never looked at again. Okay. Only ten percent of companies plan. Only ten of those those companies, ten percent of those companies actually use the plan. And so one of the things that that, that I teach my clients is planning is continuous. And so you you do it on a literally daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. And uh, I, I had a company that I worked with several years ago. I think we went through 48 iterations of a, of a the plan in 18 months. Why? Because every month something happens. Stuff changes, right? The world is not stagnant. So financial stuff changes. Your com competition changes. Your clientele changes. Your inventory capability changes. Your logistics change. And every time something changed, the plan has to be tweaked just a little bit. Make sure you get to where you want to go. So is that chief of staff role that um, you play, is that a peer to the C-suite or something else? Well, at, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit for the topic, but what, what I do is I work as a chief of staff for either the owner, the CEO, or the board, and it's tangential to, to the C-suite. So, so that I don't get into politics. I don't get into the competition within the C-suite. It's I teach planning and execution. I do coaching. I hold people accountable. I get them into a staff rhythm of meetings that, that does with this. And you've seen this as well. Companies now, I don't care if it's a startup or it's a Fortune 100, have lots of meetings. And every time they have a meeting, they discuss the same thing. And nothing ever gets done. It becomes a bitch session and not a solving session. So that has to be fixed. But back to, back to the, the planning part. So now you have a plan. And that plan has to have marketing. It has to have business development. It has to have sales in, in, incorporated in it. And most of these startups don't have that. They, they, they don't have a formal way of looking at how do I approach the market? What marketing do I need? Because most small companies don't have marketing internal. So they need some help there. And while they may have guys that are aggressive salespeople, what I, what I see lacking is sales management. How to approach sales so you're actually solving the clients or customers' problems. You, you understand that we have people that are hunters and new sales guys, and we have customer reps that are, are looking to serve the customer for a long term. Those kind of things, that organization does not exist in, in a, lot, a lot of companies. And even if they are a sales company, they're always hunting, and they forget to do the customer survey, so to do the housekeeping. The, the other thing that I think is lacking in these companies that are just stagnant is there needs to be a, a understanding of what leadership is and what management is. Leadership is you leading people. Management is you're managing things and processes and, and procedures. You got to have both, but you got to distinguish what they are. Right? So, Good leadership is, is critical to these companies, as is leadership development. I had a, a young man I spoke to yesterday uh, about the need to, to develop the younger employees because they're different, quote unquote, and how to develop leadership in that segment. So that has to be explored. And, and my model is 
you you evaluate everybody by character first, honesty, ethics, morality, that kind of stuff, competence in what you're asking them to do, and then the, the last part of that triangle is composure. What you can't have is a bunch of shouting and screaming and people crying and, and doing all that emotional stuff that makes the workflow toxic. So that's a leadership discussion then. Right? And then managing. If you have the right kind of plan, the plan logically leads you to have KPIs, key performance indicators, and metrics that you can measure. So you measure the right things and you hold people accountable. How many times have you seen uh, a salesperson with a target and then compensation that's either too high or too low for the target, right? Managing the system of how to do that. You're leading that person, but there has to be processes and procedures in place. The, the other part of that is how many times have we seen in our consultancy world, a company that has nothing in writing, no processes, no procedures, no SOP, standard operating procedures. So what happens is you can't scale the business to grow unless you have a baseline of this is how we do things. This is the SOP for X, inventory control, sales, maintenance, manufacturing, whatever it is. And then if it's in writing and it is tested and, and updated on a routine basis through constant improvement programs, now you can scale the business. If you don't have that, uh, you're just like a, a rat or a mouse on one of those tread wheels in, in a cage going faster and faster without getting any results. Baron, those are all great points. What, so what is the final thing you want to impart on the, the business owners out there that uh, have these challenges? Yeah, the, the last point is, and I've uh, been too long-winded already, I think, but is financial control. Because most of these companies don't have a real CFO. And the last segment of our podcast with Lisa, she, she talked about needing to do that earlier than later. And so getting financial controls and reporting in place, making sure that you're not paying too much for the stuff you buy. And lastly is doing a profitability analysis for all of your customer clients, your merchandise, your services, geography. Most companies leave, have 30 to 40% of their clientele that are not profitable and they don't even know it. So part of the, this, this squirrel rat in a cage is get profitable and then hiring the right kind of people becomes a lot easier. And that way you grow without you being 24-7 in the business. Yeah, I, I know companies that they didn't even know who the best customers were for the, yep. for the company. It's crazy. Yep. Um, Baron, if people want to learn more about what you do and how you can help companies, how, how do they get a hold of you? I think you can have a QR code to snap it. You get 50 minutes with me free. There's also a, a link to my calendar in the description for the podcast. I uh, would welcome uh, you guys uh, to, to do that. Uh, 50 minutes of discussion. At the very least, you can tell me how bad this was and, and how we can improve the podcast. <laughs> Baron, thanks for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate you. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Executives on the Front Lines. If you are interested in learning more about today's guests, you can schedule a 15-minute call with them by scanning the QR code or using the link in the episode description. Please join me every two weeks to learn from another great leader sharing insight that can help you and your business.